You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello. Yes, it is. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. And unfortunately, Mark's not here this week because he's got the winter bug and I think he's taken to his bed. However, I am joined by Donnie Yankelo from the MyMac crew and also by Carl. So, hello, Carl Madden and hello, Donnie. How are you? Hello, good, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Um, yes, I had a touch of the winter bug, but that was uh, between Christmas and New Year, so uh, I'm all right, thank you very much. How are you doing, Carl? Hi, so I'm, I'm very well, thank you. I'm from Mac and Forth, by the way, Oh, you didn't say well. Sorry, sorry, yes. <laughs> Carl Madden from the Mac and Forth show. But no one knows who I am otherwise. You know, yes, you they say do. Carl Madden, no one knows who They do know. The people who listen to this show know who you are, that's for sure. <laughs> and you most people don't know what Mac and Forth is, so it doesn't really matter. Thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, how 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 was your Christmas then, uh, Carl? Um, I don't know. It's sort of like in a faggy memory of alcohol Is and oh, turkey and whatnot. <laughs> a bit like mine. Did you did you get any lovely tech gifts then, or did you gift yourself something fabulous? No, I got I got what I always ask for, and that's mainly a large consignment of iTunes cards. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, always a, always a good uh, always a good option. Always yeah, a good option, mate. It's for me. Yes, there we go. All right. Um, well, I know that you haven't got a huge amount of time, Carl, so I think we'll just basically crack on into the news. And uh, 2018 has started with a lot of news. Uh, not all of it particularly good. We have, of course, um, started with the lovely Meltdown and Spectre vulnerabilities, uh, courtesy of pretty much every chip uh, available. From So... <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I don't know what to say about it, really. I mean, I've got a couple of stories here. Um, Engadget had a piece, Meltdown and Spectre are wake-up calls for the tech industry, uh, which kind of explains what it's all about. Uh, well, it's all very technical, isn't it, boys? Don't you think? I mean, it, it's obviously pretty serious because it, it allows uh, allows things that aren't supposed to be able to read kernel memory to uh, get hold of stuff that's supposed to be secure. Um I've 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 read a number of things about this, and I've got to say I'm no wiser than when I started reading the things about this. This is all above my pay grade, it seems to me. As you say, this is right down at the chip level, and and it's been going on since like um, 2003 or something. It's it, it goes back so far. Yeah, they're saying pretty much every chip for the last ten years uh, yeah. suffers from these vulnerabilities. It's, and it's, it's it is scary. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I like the way some of them are writing it up because they're definitely trying to scare, scare the layman. Ooh, it's scary. It's like techno fear. Everything's, but um, but they, they they still say a number of pieces have said no one they are aware of is taking uh any is making use of any of these vulnerabilities. And I thought, are you sure you've checked with the CIA and NSA on that one? I'm not mm. sure, but there you go. <laughs> I think 
the thing is, as far as I can make out from the articles I've read, yes, it, it is a serious flaw and it allows, if you know what you're doing and you know how to exploit it, which mm-hmm. apparently is, a, it's pretty difficult and quite complicated to do. So, you know, this is not something that some script kiddie is going to be uh, pulling out of his, you know, uh, grab bag. But No, but I don't think when it comes to these kind of exploits, it's us necessarily that are the targets. Oh, it's, no. It's, no. it's governments and, and like massive corporations and, and and that's the worrying more the worrying part oh, yes, I mean it's... we're always going on about you know people getting hold of secrets and we think it's because someone's loaded viruses but if it's right down at the chip level and, and you can get in via browsers because there was I, I noticed some stuff about um, people were saying you can apply patches to Chrome browsers to make sure all the all the windows are separated and they all like look like different instances so it could be no pro- cross pollination and I thought what the hell is this thing this is my, this is the problem I know a little bit but that you know a little bit of knowledge makes you dangerous because i don't yeah. necessarily know exactly what this exploit entails well the they're, they're two separate things one one is meltdown and that only affects intel chips and that involves some technical way in which you can break down the barrier that separates uh, application memory from kernel memory um, and it involves some complex attack uh, where you send two instructions at the same time and then see where it's put. Then you read the memory back and it tells you something. Basically, it helps break the uh, address randomization, the thing that stops memory being put in obvious places. So you can basically see everything they're doing, like typing keys and uh, Pretty much, I think, mm. uh, if you if you know how to do it. Uh, the other one, the, the Spectre, uh, affects all chip despite uh, uh, AMD originally saying we're not affected by this um, the and that one's on it, it's it's to do with the speculative execution of commands which is that modern chips effectively in a predictive text manner when when a command is executed the chip will guess what the next two or three instructions are likely to be and loads them at the same time and if you uh, know how to do it you can construct a set of commands which will execute you then not be required um, and then you can see where that where that instruction was placed in the kernel memory and then use that as a side attack apparently. however yes you're right I don't think most average users it's obviously it's scary it's something you know as the patches come out we'll need to everybody will need to patch mm-hmm. well how, my question is is how far back are they going to patch are they going to patch older operating systems or just do um, you know the current operating system well, people that still have an old iMac that can't be updated or isn't updated are they going to get a backwards Patch, yeah. or are they only going to do the modern operating I, system? I, I know Apple have, have certainly. Uh, issued patches or will be issuing patches for uh, Sierra and High Sierra. Um, I don't know if they're going to patch anything further back. I don't know uh, what... I know Windows are shipping out patches. I don't know how far back those are going to go. Uh, it might be harder for Windows people than Apple people because some people are still in a XT. Yes, yes. They, they, I think Windows is um, going to be hit harder because they're a bigger target anyway and because right. there's more of them. But like Carl says, I think the real people who are worried by this stuff are people like Google and uh, Amazon. You know, the people who run huge cloud servers and things. These are the people who are likely to be attacked should anything um, 
you know, a, a real exploit actually come out. Uh, luckily, apparently, this, this vulnerability was discovered sometime in the middle of last year. Um, so, you know, Intel and Apple and Microsoft and the Linux boys have all been working on this. So when, when the story broke, quote unquote, um, it was one of those, right, are we all ready? Now we're going to reveal this and then we're all going to say, and this is what we need to protect ourselves. Uh, the sub story to that is that Clothes Horse, uh, as a piece of Intel, has says that the new software updates make computers immune to Meltdown and Spectre. Um, that I'm, well, it, I don't know enough about to really understand whether it does or not. But what I did read was that to fix it using software, you have to execute a kind of extra step in the middle of uh, the instructions all the time, which is going to slow performance a bit. But uh, I don't know. It's all terribly, terribly technical. And I will admit, like you, Carl, uh, I've read quite a lot and I'm only a little bit wiser than I was when I started out. Mm. That's because it's so it's so like down at the base level where, you know, I know about technology. I've known it. My, I don't know how the chips work that's still <laughs> magic and wizardry to me <laughs> i mean if you've uh if you've ever read any of these articles about how chips are designed and then they start talking about 3d laser lithography on crystal it's like uh, my head hurts i have no <laughs> idea how that actually works so, but no. a good thing, I think, because it is virtually everything it is affected, including governments, including big business, including the average user, is they are they have it in their best interest to find a fix as quickly as possible, and hopefully we'll all get the same fix because they just need to patch it. Because like corporations don't want people sniffing around what they're up to, especially the likes of Apple. No. And uh, you know, and, and as soon as the, all, all the main, you know, all the press needs to see is the word exploit or hackable, and that sends people into a, a tizzy so they want to make sure that they are especially after the last year uh, uh, in regards to apple they want to make sure that they're up there fixing it and making sure their users feel safe again oh yeah very much and i quite a few websites i noticed made hay out of it because it was like apple admit all their products are vulnerable <laughs> and it's like uh, yeah just just right and everybody else you know? I saw that on the BBC. I had a, I had a news flash. You know, the BBC yeah. app sends out news flashes, and it sent me one saying Apple admits that. <laughs> for what? Yeah, them and everybody else. But Apple gets a big, you know, Apple admit. It's almost like Apple devices are vulnerable. Yeah, and so's everybody else, mate. So there we go. So, uh, yes, all a bit technology uh, above our heads, really. But like you say, Carl, it's so far down in the in the guts. It's it's actually right down in how the commands are executed in, uh, in the memory chain. So... Uh, I guess maybe that's why it's taken 10 years for somebody to realise there's a problem because it is so technical. There are probably only about 10 people in the world who understand how that sort of stuff works. Anyway, so that wasn't a that wasn't a very good start to the year, was it? Uh, however, uh, let's move on a bit. Apple have now said that they will replace your iPhone six, six S, or seven battery for twenty nine dollars, which I think in this country they've said is twenty five pounds, uh, even if it's not actually being throttled. Well, um, I don't suppose there's a huge amount to say about that, really, boys. But other than uh, well done, and the SE is it okay? Yeah, well, quite quite right, very good. Um, and I guess. Yes, that's as, as much as anything. That's a simple, 
you know, it's a damage limitation, really, isn't it? I mean, by reducing the price and then saying, look, if if you're worried about it, we'll just we'll do it for twenty nine dollars. You want your battery changed? Come in, get the battery changed. No quibble. Right. Well, and I think I read it goes through December of this year. So yeah, it goes there's plenty of time to um. You don't have to be the first one in the store when it's going to be a mob scene trying no. to get a battery replaced. In fact, in some ways, I think if it was me and I have, I mean, I'm on a seven, but if I feel I had a six or a 6S, I think I might be thinking, well, if I wait till about June, you know, <laughs> almost unless your phone is obviously suffering from being uh, throttled, I'd, I'd just leave it as long as possible because the later you replace the battery, the, the more life you're going to get out of it. But uh, so I, I might as well do it while they're offering $29. I have an SE. Yeah. I don't have any problems right now, but I'm going to get the battery replaced before the end of the year. Why not for $29? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'd wait. If you've not got any problem with it, I'd wait as long as possible, long and, as possible. and go in November or something and have the battery replaced right. then. And then you've got a brand new phone, effectively, haven't you? And I think I think the thing is changing because because initially when you went in, they would they would check it, and if it was below eighty percent, if it wasn't below eighty percent, they wouldn't fix it. They just send you on your way and say, "Nope." Because uh, my friend Alex has a similar problem with his phone. He's convinced it's slowing down, but they are saying when they plug it into whatever the systems they use in the Genius Bar, they said, "No, it's perfectly fine." But he knows it's slowing down. He feels it's slowing down. He hasn't got that warning that it says when it's really on its last legs. No, so. I'm sure he's going to be taking advantage of this as soon as possible and getting into an Apple store and having his phone fixed. What would you say 25 quid? 25 quid. It's not too bad. No. So what, I mean, what but, makes 80, what I, I mean, they're not doing 80% anymore, but what makes 80% the magic number? That's what I don't, I, I, why isn't it 50% or 40%? Why does it, you know, 80% doesn't sound like your battery is 20% down. That doesn't sound like you're getting much life out of a battery. Well, no, it doesn't. You're, it doesn't you're but the, the the way it works, um, and I know some of this because I had trouble with a with a laptop battery uh, some years back, and uh, the guy at Apple told me that a- Apple consider a battery to be um, okay, and it should it should not it should not be below ninety percent of original quality before a thousand cycles. I think I think it was a thousand cycles. If it is, they consider it to be a, a dud battery. Uh, I don't know why they've picked eighty percent, Donny. Uh, uh, but what I do know is with batteries, if you find that they're, they're when their quality goes much below eighty percent of original capacity, that they discharge much quicker. They can't hold that. They can't manage the peak output and. I think it's like an exponential slope. You know, it will take a long time to go from 100% of original capacity down to 8. But once you get below 80, you will find the battery uh, performance degrading quicker and quicker. So it will drop from 80 to 70 and, you know, so on quite quickly. And to be honest, a battery that's, I think you'll find with most of these lithium batteries, once they get below about 50%, they're effectively useless. Sounds like me. <laughs> Not as in they're useless, but that, you know, that they're, they're, um, ability to hold a charge and to uh supply power uh, and to perform as 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 you want them to you know what you'll find is the battery life will, will rapidly degrade down to on a on a laptop you know down to an hour or something or 30 minutes and you can just literally plug it in it'll be at 100 percent. you can just watch the watch the percentage is diving <laughs> so at that yeah so uh and the, i think the big the other big thing is um apple have said haven't they that in the next in the next build what they're going to do is is 
put up a flag if if you start you know if you're in the you're likely to get throttled zone that it will bring up a warning saying look your your battery is now really should be replaced and uh you may <laughs> suffer degraded this performance is, this is this is assuming they survive all the lawsuits the class action lawsuits that have been brought against them, oh, of course yeah. <laughs> oh that's just that's just like that's just crazy that's just american craziness isn't it i don't know, you know well no really... i can see i can see the point behind them i mean because it didn't the problem was it was communication it, I, you know they they made a choice they were either going to throttle the battery or just have your phone die on you when it supposedly has 40 percent. and i only learned through all this stuff going on in the last few weeks that percentage isn't even a real percentage it's not based on your phone it's based on a an algorithm from many phones and then it's the software sort of works it out on average what it should be based on how long it's functioning and stuff and that's what it displays it's not like a fuel gauge where it's actually rating how much power your battery has got it's an estimate of what yeah. it should be based on every other battery in existence or at least in the, in the, the surveys they take so so this is why they were they were like it's, it's, it's this big whole thing about how these batteries work they're not like fuel like fuel you know the, the, the fuel tank in your car you don't fill it up when you plug it in overnight and then it slowly uses it up as you go along it's chemicals and how they interact and over time that gets worse and worse and worse and worse especially how we treat it if we charge it a certain way we take it out in extreme weather conditions uh, if, if we do if we use applications that massively demand uh, resources of the device and, and 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 it's all a big again it's one of those magical things that we just take for granted we think we plug it in the wall and it charges up and we go out and we do our day and, and it should be the same tomorrow as it is today well it doesn't it slowly degrades over time and the problem i think apple had is when they made that fundamental change about how they were going to handle you know when your battery starts to wear out are they just going to say okay the phone just shuts off and dies because it's got false information on it. it's not really got 40 percent. it's got nothing or are they going to try and struggle pull it back and and you know dim the screen and turn the speakers down and and lower the processor and and that's the problem that communication was lacking yeah. and apparently they did put it out but no one picked up on it i, I think one of the the big things there is it just it was poorly communicated yeah that was the biggest thing they just sort of had a, a flag on phone saying this battery is subpar you should get it replaced and in the meantime to prevent your phone you know suddenly shutting off we you may suffer slower yeah. performance and that would have done the job and everybody said it bart said the same as me um you know every, every, i think the general consensus amongst people in the tech world is simply that they mishandled yeah. uh you know telling people what was happening well, it always looks like a cash grab that's the problem i mean it, it, whenever they do these kind of things and it's just not it's not just apple it's the other companies that are now starting to seal their batteries inside the devices it always just looks like a cash grab um i mean i was quite shocked when i found out how much it was to put about i thought it was quite cheap what was it 89 pound originally mm. so i thought oh okay i was expecting it to be a couple hundred 150 quid or something like that but uh yeah i mean eventually if you hold on to a phone long enough or you have you bought a second-hand phone that's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse you have to accept that i mean what is the expected limit is it two years i think two years is pretty good um the third year i expect it to degrade a little bit four or five years if you're on that same lithium battery my god i'm amazed it's working at all well i mean they but for most people if you work it out if you're saying a thousand charge cycle yeah. and for most people probably use their battery in a day yeah. or maybe twice in a day if you're a really heavy user well you're looking at between sort of 18 months to three years before it reaches the sort of 90 percent level so if you're you know before you get down to 80 percent, you could probably be into four years old i yeah. would have thought no i find that perfectly 
totally accept. That's what I'm saying. But then <laughs> I, I, I'm not one of the ones that read the news and no, I mean, starts want to storm, storm the castle sort of thing. No, but. I think because we all, you know, I think most people understand it. Re- rechargeable batteries do not last forever. Nothing lasts no. forever. At least they didn't explode. So there's that yeah. good point. I suppose. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, if, if Apple, if they didn't slow down the phones like the, like they're saying they did, and the phone just shut down, don't you think the headline would just be Apple is shutting phones down? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. It's damned, damned, damned if you do, and damned if you don't. And I mean, the whole the right. whole thing blew up originally because some older phones were having this thing where they were just apparently randomly shut off. Now Apple are saying that's where if the battery's not as good as it should be, and you open an app that cause a huge spike of power yep. to the CPU that the battery couldn't cope and therefore the phone would shut off. Which is when they applied the update. Which is when they applied a patch which basically said if this battery is not good enough to supply those spikes, dial it down so that they don't. And Bart, I mean, when I was told when Bart was on, uh, on the New Year's Eve show, he said, you know, he was so pleased with that patch because his phone was suffering from sudden shutdown. And he said that is so disruptive. And, you know, I'll happily take a 10% uh, you know, drop in speed, but having the phone not constantly shut off when I try and open the camera app or something, you know. <laughs> so again, it it was it was about communication. Um, right. Well, uh, while we're on batteries, uh, there's this uh, article on futurism about an inexpensive battery which could revolutionise the clean energy industry. Now, this this is a bit um, less. I know, a bit more off the beaten path than a lot of the stories this week. But uh, we were talking, um, I can't remember if it was the Christmas Eve show or, or the New Year show about batteries, because there are various people out there. Uh, apparently, uh, Mr. Dyson is working on a new kind of battery. And uh, the father of the lithium batteries himself is working on a, a lithium glass battery, which he reckons will increase uh, you know, energy density and reusability. Um, and this one here is a team of researchers at the Northwestern University uh, have created a new lithium-ion battery, which apparently shouldn't work because it uses iron oxide, uh, and apparently normally this is unstable. But apparently they have figured out a way uh, to create a rechargeable, cheaper than tradition, traditional lithium cobalt, because iron is cheap, um, and has a much higher energy capacity. Now, obviously, like all such things, this is probably five to ten years away from you know, consumers. <laughs> I'm still waiting for graphene to come out. <laughs> How long ago was that? We was promised. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Graphene, this, that, and the other. Um, yeah. But as it says here, the problem previously that was if you tried to get oxygen to participate in the reaction, the cam- compounds would become unstable. Oxygen would be released. Uh, making the reaction irreversible. But somehow, apparently, they have cleverly made this work. Um, and they're saying that this might be, uh, you know, a way to bring down the price of battery-powered cars in the longer term um, and increase their range. So uh, this is all a bit of a win-win. Not not a, you know, not a commercial product at the moment, but some clever, you know, boffins. The boffins in the back room, boys, have uh, figured out how to make this work, apparently. So I thought that was a good story. I mean, you know, this is the technology we're all looking for, isn't it? Better batteries. Everybody wants better batteries. Whether it's them or someone else, something, someone, something's going to 
a break or give in yeah. the next five or 10 years to make batteries and battery power cars cheaper, whether it's this one or Tesla or something else. Yeah. I mean, it's just the thing is at the minute, and I think lots of people have, have said it, is that, you know, the chip technology, the by all the means, they have made things more and more powerful, faster and faster, cleverer and cleverer. But the thing that's not really keeping up is the battery technology. I mean, we, you know, the last big change was the one to lithium polymer batteries. Um, and because battery technology is hard, isn't it? It's not just engineering, it's, it's chemistry and subatomic shenanigans. So um, I'm not surprised that it takes longer, but somebody, I guess, will, something will give. You're quite right, Donny. Something will give. Somebody will come up with a fabulous new technology that makes batteries work 10 times better, and then everybody will. You know. And then the Saudis will buy them up and get rid of it because they want their fuel. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. But. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I've, I've remembered, as I said uh, the other week, you know, those of us of a certain age and certainly in the UK who remember Raymond Baxter and the Tomorrow's World team, you know, we were talking about these things in the 70s, electric cars and whatnot, and they never came to pass, but now they are. What are you talking about? Didn't you have a milk float when you were... <laughs> of course we did. Yes, I know. And it went about six mile an hour, Carl. Yeah, well, that's about the average in London. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that, yeah. There is that, yeah. It's no Tesla, was it? I, but I, I do remember all this thing, you know, about electric vehicles and power cells you know hydrogen power cells was always a big thing um and the, they were always you know five to ten years away and none of them were but eventually people just keep hammering away at these problems don't they and that's how we make progress so there we go that's two or three two or three or four people now hammering on the uh, better batteries so no, you don't I- want to hammer on them <laughs> doesn't work no, no don't 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 hammer your batteries people um well uh what else have we got then uh going back to apple i guess um I see here somebody is selling a rare working version of one of Apple's first computers, and it's a Lisa one. And I believe it's current on eBay. It's currently up to about fifty five thousand dollars. Um, wow. So uh, I can't remember who it was. One of our guests uh, recently said they'd got a Lisa, a working Lisa in their basement. It might have been David Nannian actually. So he might be rubbing his hands with glee, might he? That'll go up now because it's probably not susceptible to meltdown or spectre. Oh no, that's true. Look uh, at that. Could be could be worth even more. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I mean, I know collectors and what's anything worth what somebody's prepared to pay for it, but I do find some of these things somewhat ludicrous. Yeah, where was it? The Apple One, the last what? Apple One fetched nearly a million dollars or something. I mean, it's just crazy. But I guess if you've got the money and you, you you know, you really must have one, then fabulous. But And great if you happen to have one and you're the person who's selling it, you know, well, payday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it amazes me really that people would pay that. Just jealous because you can't afford it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Although, actually, I'm not actually all that interested in the Lisa. I'd, I'd probably be more interested in either an Apple One or uh-huh. or, or an early an early Next Cube. To be fair, but there you go. I, I don't know. I, I want to go back to get a ZX81, my first in quotes computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think isn't there somebody? Um, isn't there somebody selling uh, remanufactured ZX81s? Probably they're always on eBay. I'm never sure if they. I mean, I, I I don't think I could get them to work. I don't think I've got anything I can plug into. Can you plug them into a plasma? Imagine a ZX81 on a big. <laughs> Screen. Well, I, I no, I believe there is a company. I can't remember if it's Spectrums or ZX81s, but there's a, a, a modern company. Yeah, Spectrum. Uh, man, 
manufacturing modern ones, which I assume means they've got HDMI out and whatnot on them. Oh, but, sacrilege. But uh, there you go. Well, otherwise, how the hell would you watch it? That's you, what I'm saying. You need that RF aerial cable. Who's got Who's got a bloody CRT with an RF on it? Nobody. You'd end up paying a fortune off some collector to get hold of a CRT. I want to play 3D Monster Mage on a 62-inch plasma screen. Come on. Oh, yeah. Or Mazogs. What about Mazogs? <laughs> Essential ZX81 show. It is exactly quite right. Okay, so. Uh... I just pulled up this listing for that computer and it has 73 bids on it. So there must be either two people interested bidding back and forth or a bunch of people interested. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Oh dear. Okay. Um, what else have we got? Well, the uh, apparently the App Store and the Play Store mobile app revenue rose 35% last year, uh, apparently confounding all those people who are saying the app economy is dead. Yeah, who's who's that? Who said that? I've never heard anyone say that. Well, I don't know. There seems to be a meme going around that people keep saying, oh, the app economy is dead. The app economy is dead. But I like the fact that right that, that line and where you've got it from is fortune you've got it from. And they highlight the fact that someone's saying it. And the link goes back to their own story <laughs> i mean what's the point <laughs> we said they something yeah oh well perhaps it's you know at least i suppose they're admitting yeah we said this and uh, the figures say otherwise um I think and, it just says more and more devices are getting sold and yeah, yeah. um and what was this here look a- apple said they made Eight hundred and ninety million dollars during the holiday season. Three hundred million in sales on New Year's Day alone. So uh, that doesn't that doesn't exactly say the app economy is dead to me, does it? Um, no, no. And I, the truth is, I can't. I can't see for whatever reason. I mean, I suppose when the app economy first started, you know, seven, eight years ago, of course, like anything new, it's going to explode phenomenally. And people are just going to be buying these 99p, 79p apps, you know, and surely we all remember the, the days of the fart apps and the you know, when the... Um, Backslider. Yeah, you know, endlessly pointless things. And, I mean, and that... yeah, I know. I, know, I mean, it can, I think it's just going to strengthen. Okay, it might be harder and harder to be discovered if you're uh, that, alone. I think, I think that is the big thing. I think what yeah. this app economy is, is, is dead is more coming from the fact that there are people who are have maybe one or two apps and they're little utility apps and they're only selling at 99 cents. And getting enough people to buy them is difficult because without discovery unless you can break through and get people to be saying this app is brilliant and you should get it then you're going to struggle well that was like a show i used to do about i talked to developers about their applications and things like this and it came up every uh, in fact i I thought my god i'm gonna have to stop doing this show because every single person has got the same story they all say they all said how they enjoyed the process of developing the app and and getting the out app out and 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 like that bang it was out in the world after all the work it was out and then nothing because unfortunately every single one of them did realize that once you've released that app you've got to start all over again promoting the application and that means contacting magazines contacting tech journalists contacting podcasts going absolutely doing probably just as much hard work as all the work you've just put into this thing to get it out then you've got to start supporting it as well as doing all the push and promotion and it never stops you've always got to carry on it's a full-time job for a lot of these people um and if 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 people start thinking you know again based on how it was reported back in the day oh this guy's developed an app and he's become an overnight millionaire well yeah great okay fantastic good for him but (laughs) 
<laughs> unless he can come up with something else, that's all he's ever going to do. And, you know, chances are you could probably live on a million quid for the rest of your life. I know I could. But yeah. uh, but uh, it's it's a hard, hard process for these individuals to to actually get out there and, and, and make a name for themselves. And it's okay for the big, the big players because they've got the contacts. They know the podcast. They know the publication. They know the journalists and things like this. And they can invite them out to parties and God knows what else. But... Um, but it's it's an interesting dilemma because, like I say, the small little guys who just get hold of Xcode and they, they bang out an app and they put their heart and soul in it, and then they get so disappointed because four people might download it because there's yeah. just no way for them to get their message out. I think the other thing is you, there's a combination, I think, of, of things that can happen. And over, and besides which, the, the market has matured. I'm pretty sure, like you were saying, that you know the stories of this bloke made an app and made a million overnight is because probably somebody who put out one of those fart apps probably did because they were maybe the first one in there and it was the first joke and people were downloading it and they maybe they downloaded a million in a weekend and bang, they've made a load of money. But that... That is just sometimes a matter of luck, isn't it? You're the first one there with the first stupid joke app, and you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and Look, I can, I can speak to this from experience, because I have um, several sticker apps, more than several, in the app store. And um, I also do children's books in the iBook store. And unless, for some lucky reason, when last year, my Halloween sticker app was featured on the Apple homepage, so I sold a bunch of those. But And... Um, the first children's book I did, um, Apple, for some reason, featured on the um, homepage of the iBook store for the children's section, and that got attention and that sold. But unless it's seen, unless I get lucky and they put it on the front door, it's just a you know spattering of tales. I mean, I do it as a hobby. I do it for fun because I like to do it. It's not my, by any means, um, am I living off of it. But unless you get seen, and if you're one of the lucky ones, and it's harder and harder to get onto that front page of Apple's, the iTunes store or the iBook store, because there are more and more and more and more books or apps or whatever that yeah, are apps for them to scroll through. And, and then as well, then you're, you're getting in. That's what I'm saying. You know, those, those sort of boom days of early apps when people could strike it lucky. I think of, you know, they've gone. It's become a mature market. There's doesn't matter unless you come up with something absolutely amazingly innovative and new. You are competing with hundreds of other little apps that do similar things. Yeah, but chances are, what I'm saying is, uh, is you you can you can do that. You can come, but unless your message gets out there, you're yeah. not going to be found. Exactly, and, and that's that's the issue. I mean, the issue is discoverability, and has been for a long time. And like, it's like Dean, isn't it, with his Crystal app. Yeah, and, and I'm not, you know, it's a brilliant app. I use it. I've, I've got it installed. I think it's great. But and this isn't knocking Dean in any way, shape, or form. But he got that app in the store at exactly the right time yeah, when the, when the whole content blocking thing was blowing up. And because he was one of the first, he got featured. He got mentions. He got, you know, he got on podcasts. He got mentioned here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people downloaded his app. And once you've got people downloading it and saying, I've downloaded this and it's brilliant. And, you know, there were websites picking up on it. So I'm sure Dean worked really hard on that and continues to work really hard on it. I know that he, you know, he does all sorts of things. But what I'm saying is his initial 
whether by luck or design, he hit the store at exactly the right time yep. to get exposure. And now, you know, if he came out with that app now, he'd really have to struggle yeah. to but get, you know, to, to, to make impact. Because well, and another, another big problem is that a lot of these review sites make you pay for your review and make you pay them money to get featured. Wow, which, really? Yeah. With oh someone like myself, I'm not going to pay, whether it's 50 or 100 or whatever, how much money to have someone review it when the chances are I'm not even going to make that money back. No, that's that's true. No, no, that's, you know, that's pretty, uh, well, that's, that's despicable. And I was going to say, that's a lot, exactly, a lot of places do that. that's exactly the word I was going to use, Carl, despicable, because then get, what you're oh, saying man, is, don't even get yeah. started about oh, because <laughs> no, I know that's one of your hobby horses <laughs> and to some extent, one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, no, no, let's not go there. It would be we'll we'll <laughs> we'll we'll keep it family friendly and we'll stay away from that topic but no that is despicable asking people to pay to be reviewed because then what you're saying is oh if you give us a bit a bigger bung we'll give you a better review right no uh, and and while we're on about that um donny i mean the other the other story isn't it to do with your sticker pack was was that not the um the tech fan sticker pack you made <laughs> That's that's wonderful. And that one was, is uh is free though. Yeah, but we had the thing, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, I, I was going to go into the story about about Tim saying, you know, it, all of a sudden for some reason you said, oh, there's been a sudden spike in the numbers, and then we were all kind of, well, let's see how hard we can push it because right. just well, as here's, a, here's the weird thing about that because I looked at the um I guess the analytics for that or the set the um can't word the think of the word I'm looking for, but most of the downloads have been in China. Right. <laughs> Really? How weird. I, said, I asked him, I said, are most of the, is most of the audience in China? Because it's weird. Very few were out of China. We're not in, we're not in China. How very strange. I wonder if just the, the name, if, if somehow the, you know, the, the logo saying like, I am a tech fan, just caught their imagination somehow. And it's very strange, isn't it? Very, Maybe. very strange. Or someone's forwarding an IP address from China. I don't know. No, who knows? Well, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's very true. But anyway, so the, the figures, um, the figures say that overall these app stores are, you know, coining it in, which means certain some some developers somewhere must be getting, you know, um, a decent payout. But I think yes, again, a bit like the communication problem with Apple. The 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 problem in this story is that if you make it great, and for a lot of that, there's people like you say, Carl, who slave away and then end up with they get four downloads. I would and, like to see what the stat would be if you took out in-app purchases. Yes, however. That is true. That is true. And and I know that's the thing you have a bug about, but I, the trouble with in-app purchases for me is I don't mind the in-app purchases where they say, for example, I've got a little diary app. Um, I don't use it very much, but, you know, it's got about three in-app purchases and they're all only about a pound or two pounds. But they've got, what they add is things like, oh, well, um, if you want to add videos to your diary pages, you know, give us a pound and that gives us, you know, that will enable the use of video. Now, fine, I don't want to do that, so it doesn't matter. But if I did, I'd pay my pound and then I can put, you know, I can embed videos in my in my diary pages. I don't have a problem with that at all. I've got, I've got no problems with in-app purchases for, for Apple applications real is just something when you see buy a thousand coins for 70 pounds that's the one yeah 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 yes i know the ones or or of course the ones where you know if you play some of these games i don't know clash of clans or whatever it is you know you're constantly oh you're short of diamonds just buy a bag of diamonds for five pounds you know 
you're basically being you're paying to play the game and that's just i can't be doing with that at all right um what else have we got then um smart sunglasses from vuzix which will work with android and ios will de- debut at the ces uh from digital trends and it's it's in a whole load of other places to be honest um well i had a look at these uh i don't know what you boys think about them i i what they do say to me is that my postulation that ar glasses will eventually become a major uh phone accessory is correct but uh and somebody has to be first i mean at least these ones look like half decent sunglasses and not like somebody strapped an ice cube to the corner of your head um Apparently, though, they're going to be a thousand dollars a go. So I can't see many people buying those to go to the beach. I can, I can see. I went last year. Last year? Yeah, last year. I went to the wearables um, show in London. And there was a couple of places in there that had these tiny little projectors that would project onto this. Well, it basically looked like the Google Glass thing, but not quite as weird looking. And and they look, they were tiny. And I'm sure that they could put something as small as that onto your glasses, for example, and, and just have it reflect mm. up in the corner and stuff like this. But yeah, I mean... <clears throat> If they're gonna, if they want to take f- full advantage of AR and VR and stuff, we are gonna have to have some form of eyewear. Unfortunately, now most of us, although a lot of us, especially in my age, bleh, wear glasses now. There's still a large section of the population that don't. It's probably more people that don't wear glasses than do. And and they're going to have to make a conscious choice. Do they want to put smart glasses on? Or is lifting your phone up a mm. foot too much of a challenge, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, there I are mean, definite advantages. But, we, you know, I mean, if you're in a car, you could have heads up on your car, on this windscreen and things like this. I mean, do we want to just walk around with glasses on our head? I mean, some people do, some people don't. That's. I mean, once you start wearing glasses, you realize what a pain in the butt they are. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I've been wearing glasses, you know, for, well, certainly since I was about 16, and they are a constant bind. They yeah. are. Um, so, I mean, sorry. How many people are going to be, you know, people stare at their phones right now and trip and fall and break an ankle or walk into something? I mean, <laughs> is it, how many, how much worse is it going to get when they're just reading their glasses and not looking where they're going? Oh, dear. Yeah. Possible. How's the old Bill going to know what they're doing? Well, there's that as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, that could be the next thing, you know. People using augmented reality glasses while driving are, you know, the worst yeah, people in the world. Um, And, yeah, I, so I don't know. But anyway, this, scarier. this, this, um, <laughs> company they're saying that at the moment i think it's 500 dollars for a developer kit the the glasses are probably going to sell a, originally at a thousand dollars a pair and then they want to bring them down to half that for what they believe would be a commercially viable product um well, also i think it depends what you, what they are doing if they're just if they're just literally showing me the the yelp rating of a restaurant i'm walking past i don't care if they can if they can like oh look there's someone i know and as they walk towards me they tell me who that person is because you know me and names um that might be healthy but uh, uh, helpful but it's going to be creepy because no one's going to want that no one's going to want what you walking around with some sort of identifying mark on you so you can be picked up by your friends because someone will easily hack that and you can find out where they live and everything there's this whole, it's just like smart cars. There's this whole other argument or discussion that has to be have about what we want these things to be. I mean, you know, we watch food movies and they go, they slip into a VR world and it's all wonderful and, and great until things go wrong. Do we want that in real life? I'm not so sure. I know it's a fantastic idea and it obviously gives the tech company something new to go after because they seem to be running out of, you know, places they can put technology now. But do we really want... Yeah. Well, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole societal discussion. Yeah. yeah just because 
because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, but anyway, I thought that was an interesting story. It, it, for me, one of the most interesting parts of it was the fact that they actually looked like, you know, reasonably fashionable sunglasses. <laughs> they didn't look absolutely stupid. And But then again, we have the other thing, don't we, with, um, what was it, Snap, with those spectacles they brought out? Do you remember yeah, those? The ones with the lenses on the, like the little tiny... Yep, yep. <laughs> the idea being that you could take Snapchat pictures and they were, I mean, they were blatantly, um, you know, goofy. They were in bright colours and they were big round glasses and the, the camera lens was obvious on the hinge. Um, and they thought those were going to be a huge hit and because when they released them and they had this sort of gimmick, didn't they, that they were being, they were being sold out of vending machine mm. um, and people were paying a fortune, you know, to get to a vending machine and buy a pair. But then what happened after the initial buzz, i.e. the people who really wanted to have some, apparently they've got warehouses full of these things. They can't shift because nobody actually really wants them. Who so, would have ever seen that coming? <laughs> yeah, 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 very much. So I, I, I don't know. I really don't know about that. Um, well, Carl, uh, I think you're, you're out of time aren't you mate because you said you'd got to be out by fifteen thirty. so well i don't know how much longer you're planning on going <laughs> oh well not not much longer to be honest okay. i think we've covered pretty much all the stories to be honest well. um so what i'll do i think is uh this week i think we'll sign out and we'll let nemo uh play us out so um carl if you'd like to shill yourself <laughs> I beg your pardon, sir. I've never been... Right, okay, I see what you mean. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, my name's Carl Mann. You can hold me on Twitter, Clausio101, or you can come and check me out on the Mac and Forth Show uh, podcast. And uh, are you still doing your other show? The, was it here and there with, with Oh, yeah. Missy? Strangely enough, uh, we got one planned later this week where me and Missy are going to review the the last Dead Star film. <laughs> oh, right. Well, well, why not? No, I yeah, saw the not? last Dead I thought it was a very good film, actually. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, you're the one. <laughs> well, I liked it. I thought it was very, there was a lot going on in there. There's a lot going on in there. A lot of stories uh-huh. being tied up and new story, the arcs opening. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was very good. Anyway, okay, uh, Donnie. How about you? Uh, let's see. Occasionally writing some articles at MyMac.com. I'm on Twitter at R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R. And um, just look me up in iTunes, find stickers, children's books, other stuff. Very good. Well, thank you both for coming on um, and opening the new year. Uh, unfortunately, as I say, Mark's been unable to join us. So uh, what I do, I think, is we'll round up the show um, and I'll let John Nemo take it away. The good people at McAlley, that's M-A-C-A-L-L-Y, have sent us two products for our coverage today here at Nemo's Hardware Store. The first one is amazingly ordinary, and the second is amazingly extraordinary. So let's get the ordinary one out of the way first. It's called the Ace Key, A-C-E-K-E-Y, ultra-slim USB wired keyboard for Mac and PC. Aha! You ask, why do I need a wired keyboard when everybody is using wireless keyboards? Well, I still use a wired keyboard. It never wears out, never needs batteries, doesn't need pairing, doesn't need Bluetooth. It is just always there, reliable. This is a full-size keyboard. Cost in the U.S. is $50. It's 110 full-size thin keys with an actual typing feel to them. I'll type on it for you. It's quiet, but they are real keys with all the function keys at the top and all the copying and the pasting, the escaping, and it's suitable both for Mac and PC. 
So it's a switch hitter as far as that's concerned. It's got a nice caps lock light upper right. The only thing that takes some getting used to is the command key just to the left and right of the space bar is the size of a regular letter key. So it's much smaller than you're used to. But the good news is they have added a function key lower left between control and option and a very large function key lower right below the shift key. Once you get used to that, and the delete key has moved also, but once you get used to the couple of changes, there's a num lock and a caps lock and a print screen like you would expect on a PC, and everything that you need on a Mac also, all your play, pause. It's a really first-class keyboard, and I've been using McAlley keyboards for a long time, and they are very, very pleasant to work with. There's little rubber nib cushioned feet on the back to keep it from sliding around. The model we have is all white with grayish letters and numbers and symbols for the keys and a very, very long USB cable. So you can type, I won't say from across the room, but definitely across the table if you're doing a presentation. So have a look at the McAlley Ultra Slim USB wired keyboard for Mac and PC. $50 brand new product. We will give you the link and hopefully the pricing in your country. The other product is extremely unusual. It's called the Telemag, T-E-L-E-M-A-G. It's a suction cup phone mount with an extendable telescopic arm and a magnetic holder that allows you to use your iPhone for hands-free phone calls and GPS car navigation. That's their description. It's $25 in the U.S., and this will pay for itself the first time you go on the road. It's very difficult to describe, so you have to go to the McAlley website to see the pictures and understand how it works, but I will do my best. At the base, there is a flat suction sticky part that goes onto your windshield or onto your dashboard. Then that has a release so you can lock it in or out. Then there's a screw mount to keep the arm in place. Then there is another screw nib to control the extension. The whole thing is about six inches long when it's all the way out and about three and a half, four inches when it's pulled in. Then you've got the fully rotatable with another screw, uh, another screw round area. So you can have the flat part where your phone is going to be residing at any angle you want. So it's totally adjustable. It's sort of like a selfie stick for your car. I don't want to insult McAlley, but if you can sort of imagine that, this can go anywhere and work everywhere. Now, the flat plate at the very end that says McAlley is magnetized. So you take one of the many different adhesive back magnets out of the package they provide. You stick this adhesive, which is very, very strong, and the metal plate is extremely thin. I mean really thin. You stick this onto your phone or onto your case, and it will even work, go through the case if you put it onto your phone and then put the case over it. The magnet is so good. Then once it's on, you clip it to the magnetic suction cup telemag, and boy, it stays there in place. You really have to pry it off. It is very secure and strong. For $25 US, this is a really valuable product. I live in Tucson, Arizona, and the city council just this week is finally getting around to implementing fines and fees and 
illegality for using your phone in your hand. They're requiring people to use hands-free. So it's not optional in my hometown anymore, and I expect in many of yours also. So thanks to McAlley for providing the keyboard, which is called the Ace Key, and the magnetic suction cup phone mount with telescopic arm called the Telemag. Back next week. Thank you, John, for another Nemo's Hardware Store. And the links for all of the products that John was talking about can be found in the show notes, along with links to Amazon. And, of course, when we mention Amazon, it is the law that I have to tell you about the Amazon affiliate link. Now, I'm not going to bore you too much. You know how it works. Follow the Amazon affiliate link, do your shopping, and we here at Essential Apple get a very small kickback, which helps us to pay for things like the occasional new microphone, or a microphone boom, or a pop filter, or a chair for Mark that doesn't break or creak or collapse under him while he's podcasting. So, it doesn't cost you anything, you just follow the link, buy your stuff from Amazon, and that helps us out. And while I'm talking about helping us out, there is of course a Patreon page, and this is a special shout out to all of the people who subscribe to the Patreon and help us to pay the bills. Thank you very much. And we are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, The Club Nintendo, and many, many more. If you're a technology fan, make sure you check out Tech Fan, hosted by me, Tim Robertson. And me, David Cohen. We're all about technology. We like to geek out on pretty much anything. If it's technical, if it's a gadget, if it's the movie or the music industry, you name it, we're talking about it. And you know, David, unfortunately, unlike most other great podcasts, we don't really plan out our shows. It's more of a stream of thought thing. Yeah, for better or for worse, you listen to it and you be the judge. You know, a good example of that, David, would be this ad, because we didn't plan for this. What did you say? What do I say? (laughs) I don't know. Is it your turn or is it my turn to talk now? I lost track. I did too. But you know, you won't lose track if you listen to Tech Fan, part of the Stoplight Network of Podcasts. Wire app of a site that charges for reviews. If you want to check it out, yeah, I just saw that. I did just see that um, in the wire chat. Oh my god! Priority app review request. (laughs) Gee, drop the waiting list and promote the bomb. What? If your app is free, dear me. Basically, you don't pay that, you don't get reviews. And who are they? Who are they? I've never heard of these people. Fiend? Fuck. I I just did that, and this is one of the sites that came up. I found a lot of these when I was searching for places to review stuff. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. If you click on all iOS app reviews, you can see, oh my. Let's read them. Let's read a review. Have a look. In a nutshell. 
Well, that just, just basically, basically looks like, like what a person's, person's probably written about, about himself. Well, look, I was going to say, it looks very much, to me, like uh, like an App Store entry. But they're just charging you to put your App Store entry on their, oh, there on their bloody site. So, ugh, disgraceful. Disgusting oh. and disgraceful. That's all I like to say about that one. Tut, tut, tut. Right, um, well, boys... Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Carl, if you've got to shoot, I'll let you go. And, uh, nice to meet you, Tony. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to talk to you. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.